Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Well, I happen to be sat in a WeWork as we've now all returned to work, but given all the activity going around here, who knows what might happen. But having scrolled through the listening statistics just now to look and see who's listening to us, we most definitely have a global audience. There's hundreds of you downloading us in India, France, Japan, Australia, Netherlands, Canada, and Germany, multiple thousands from the UK and the US. And there's enough of you to fill a room in Thailand, Argentina, Brazil, and South Korea. Definitely time for us to get Instec back on the road. And thanks to all of you for the words of encouragement you've been sending in. Please do keep them coming, or better still, tell someone else if you like what you are hearing. Well, this week, we are returning to one of our favorite and most popular topics, the founder's story. Devon Trowder has co-founded and sold one business, and along with some of his former team, has now set up Armed. Devon doesn't have a background in insurance, but having been asked by many of his former clients if he could offer them help protecting their tools and equipment, he realized that insurance is where he wanted to make his next move. Well, we're delighted to have Armed as a member of Instec, and Devon is following in what is now a well-established track of fast-growing early-stage companies that have been working with us. Many of the others have gone on to become some of the success stories of the last 70 years. If you think you could benefit from a bit of help, then drop us an email, hello at Instec. London or contact me, Matthew Grant, via LinkedIn. Now, Armed also recently won the Insurathon Prize, sponsored by lawyers Norton Rose Fulbright. Nico Berry is a partner at NRF and a long-standing supporter of Instec. I asked Nico to explain the background to the Insurathon. So the Insurathon is an innovation competition supported by Norton Rose Fulbright that we started in 2017, where to date since 2017, we've given away over £200,000 in both free legal advice and equity support to insurtech startups. We've got some very notable alumni, including the likes of Flock, Nexus Mutual, Consirus, Superseed. And our most recent winners, obviously, we're delighted that Armed won the 2021 competition. Nico went on to explain why he thought the judges had selected Armed as the winner. The panel of judges, we, we had some great um, entries this year, really high quality, you know, evidencing, I think, the shift um, from, to a degree, distribution to SaaS solutions and platform solutions in the insurance space. Uh, ironically, having said that, Armed actually came to us with a fantastic distribution proposition, which combined with embedded insurance and was targeted at the SME space, which is a space that's been very attractive to private equity investors and some of our clients in the space. And so from both the, you know, Devin and the management team, you know, the judges were very impressed by them and thought they were certainly a management team we wanted to back, uh, you know, with the free advice. And then from an investment perspective, given what we've been seeing, you know, in our client base, we thought that, you know, from an equity investment perspective, they would be fantastic winners. Okay, so let's find out Devin's story. Now, I've treated myself to a late Christmas present of some new recording equipment, and I was testing out a new way of recording the broadcast to improve the sound quality this week. So we kicked off by making sure everything was working okay. Devin, great to see you. Uh, I'm delighted to say that one of us is now back in the office. Looks like you're still working from home, but I'm sure you're keen to to get out there and get out and about. So really pleased to have a chance to talk to you. And I see you're all mic'd up, so I think we're going to have a nice, clear discussion. I've also got some new equipment, so how am I sounding? Very clear. I've got mic and headset envy there. Um, yeah, yours is a lot bigger and yeah, looking a bit more like a pilot than a, than a podcast host. But uh, yeah, very clear. You've already 
founded and successfully exited one company, YCAMP. They were an IoT and smart security company. And you sold those to ERA Home Security in 2019. And then you set up Armed in January 2020, which is something we first came across each other. And you know, the impressive thing is, given we've all mostly been in lockdown for the last couple of years, is you've actually already got customers, partners, you've got insurance capacity, and you recently closed some funding with Cedars, which looked like it was close to £400,000. So oh, well done, a lot going on. Have I missed anything in that long list? No, I think that's it. Um, make it sound very impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did, first of all, with YCAM and you know, what was the background to setting that up? And then we're going to talk about Armed. There were two of us um, that founded YCAM, both myself and the other co-founder. We had a we had a trading relationship from a previous business. And it all really started with the idea of how great it would be to have a camera that allows you to see and hear anything from anywhere in the world. And, you know, we thought the applications are endless, um, although in the end, the main application was security, which is ultimately what we what we found out. We often speak, me and the other co-founder, about it being like a real life MBA where you learn, you know, hands on about all aspects of running a business. And, and ours, you know, really did include all aspects. You know, there was hardware, software sales, marketing, you know, finance, logistics, HR, et cetera, customer support. So yeah, great journey, bit of a roller coaster, but yeah, very grateful for the for the experience. Well you are now what is known as a serial entrepreneur. I think you can classify that as you're into your second gig and you've got some customers and some money. Yes, yeah, serial I guess means more than one. So yeah. I'm gonna change my LinkedIn uh, uh kind of summary now after this. Serial entrepreneur. And so, as we touched on before, you've really set this company up almost entirely during COVID and lockdown. We've had a few periods when we could kind of come out into the sunshine and see each other. But you know, how's that experience been compared to when you set up previously, you know, in a kind of normal world? Given we founded the company in January 2020, so that was just before everything changed. Um, and, you know, at that point, we were building up some momentum with, with various partners as you said, we're having conversations. We're actually due to be up on stage at the March 2020 event, which then obviously at, at the Steel Yard, which got cancelled due to COVID. I certainly had a sense that a lot of the industry was starting to turn inwards, which I thought was, you know, understandable because, you know, obviously back then no one really knew what was going on. But yeah, we, we kind of used that as an opportunity to, to focus on scoping the product, uh, getting our various partnerships in place, making connections. And I thought that was really good because up until that point, Armed was still just really a bit of an idea. So, so yeah, we, we managed to do a lot of market research um, around the proposition, speaking to tradespeople because they weren't working. So that was a benefit, actually. The fact that they weren't working, we were able to kind of talk talk to them and get their time. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that was positive. The other, the other thing which you don't often hear about was actually a really good opportunity for me personally to – spend some time with the family and and you know I, i'm a believer in that you know things happen for a reason you just got to kind of make the best of it and you know i had a really busy 10 years or so running ycam and then a really busy period in the run-up to the sale and then it was quite a stressful time working for era um because I was, I was there for a while during the during the transition so yeah i was i was very happy to kind of you know take my foot off the gas for a while and the weather was glorious you know barbecues going out for runs Maybe to add to that, just in terms of building the business, I, I, I feel it's been quite straightforward, really, speaking to people um, throughout. Distance isn't really an issue anymore. Zoom conversations I'm finding are quite quite normal now. We're still trying to get into town as much as possible now. Challenging bits, but yeah, overall pretty pretty manageable, I'd say. 
Yeah, it's actually quite exhausting being back to face to face. We're recording this at like midday on Wednesday. I had a breakfast meeting this morning, a coffee meeting, and I've got a dinner this evening. I think I'm gonna, by the end of the day, I think I'll be done for for the rest of this week. But um, now, glad that glad that went well. And let's talk a little bit about the company itself. And I do want to come back. You mentioned in passing there about talking to tradespeople, and I know that was part of your research. But so Armed is providing insurance for tradespeople primarily for the theft of their tools. I know that that's been around for a while. What, what is it that you're doing that is, is different that you think or is already maybe already demonstrating to be attractive to people, both as customers and uh, as providing your capacity? We cover tools for tradespeople. That's been around for a while. Yeah, anyone I'd say that's familiar with this particular class of insurance will tell you it's, it's fraught with issues, um, both on the side of the trades and the insurer with insurers generally not being very happy with the performance so they'll either keep adding exclusions to the product or increasing the price so so it ends up becoming um more uncompetitive and then trades are not happy because of the unreasonable exclusions and then you know very lengthy settlement times um i remember when we were doing some initial research um you know i won't name the the insurer but but the target was getting claims settlement down to down to four weeks and that was that was their target so you know you can imagine for a trade not being able to work for, for that period so so yeah um deep level of mistrust both sides end result is big gap in protection and you know over half the trades people not properly insured so so yeah and, and that's actually where we saw the opportunity so we thought right this is where we're going to start and i'd say there are two two key ways in which we're different um one is it's not just tool insurance that we offer so we're building some complementary products and services wrapped around the tool insurance product to create an ecosystem. Um, and the second is the way in which we sell it. So, so the first, as I say, ecosystem con- contains um, tool inv- inventory management, so the trade can easily kind of log and record what they own. Um, obviously useful for both them and the insurer. And the next is obviously the tool insurance product, which is different in its own right, uh, not least because it doesn't have some of these uh, ridiculous exclusions, but you know, it's a great price. You can make claims digitally. And the final piece is okay. Just pausing for breath here. Devin covered a lot in this last section. So, quick recap: Armed enables a tradesperson to track their purchases in an inventory management system, and they can buy insurance. And there is more. So, you've got that core of the insurance piece in there. What else are you offering as part of this? Because I know you've enriched the whole offering. Uh, I believe it's probably even what we'd now call embedded insurance as well. How, how, do you, how else are you making it attractive to your tradespeople? We've actually built an e-commerce site. So selling you know, all the major tool brands, over 30,000 products. So in the event you make a claim, you can get your replacement tools from us. And if you do, they're all automatically included within your inventory. And the second bit is yeah, connected to your point is, is how we sell. So so tradespeople are no different to you know most consumers in that they don't get that excited by by insurance. However, uh, they love their tools. So so you know we're trying to move the conversation on from just selling tool insurance to actually selling the tools that they they already love, they need, they buy, um, and they just happen to come with the option of having theft and and damage uh, included. So so that's why we built the tool shop. Um, and yeah, as I say, it allows allows us to kind of seamlessly embed insurance together with the tools at, at checkout. And and that's a big part of our future plan, actually, is to, is to sell embedded insurance through through much larger tool shops. 
we'll come back and talk a bit more about that and, and dig into the details because it, it, it's really intriguing how you do that. But you mentioned in passing around the research from tradespeople. How did you do that? Particularly in time of lockdown, I, I guess it's hard to walk down the street and just you know it, grab someone when they're loading up their van. So what did you do to get that kind of input? Yeah, so we were actually selling to tradespeople in our previous business, and that's that's where the idea came from, in fact. Uh, we were at a trade show. We were selling smart home security equipment to tradespeople in the, in the view that they would then install it. You know, they're in people's homes, so why not install smart security? And and they kept asking us whether they could use our smart home security tech in their in their vans. Um, so, so we already knew uh, a number of tradespeople. And, and it was really just, yeah, uh, uh, Facebook um, and and Zoom focus groups. You know, if you want to talk to a tradesperson about anything, tool insurance is right up there on the list. So, so yeah, it, it's an issue they're passionate about. Um, they're willing to give us time and talk to us. And, and actually, because a lot of them, certainly in those very early days, weren't working, it was it was quite easy for us to get their time and and, and get their feedback on, you know, what is it about the proposition they like? What are the value bits? You know what's the price point, et cetera. So we had the relationships and we were able to get that information relatively relatively quickly. And then I kind of treat how you end up in insurance. So a lot of people in insurance now are trying to figure out how to use IoT and sensors as part of the underwriting process. You've come at this from a, the reverse direction, which is you had experience in sensors, cameras, IoT, and then decided that insurance was the best place to go, presumably, to build the business. So what was it that took you on from the tradespeople saying we're concerned about theft to deciding and then learning about how to get into insurance? Because you, you don't think you had any experience in that before. We didn't know. And um, and actually, the original idea was just an enhanced smart security and solution, uh, solution. So it's a no insurance element. Um, and it was actually only really when we did that focus group work that we quickly realized um, that, yeah, the smart alarm is valuable. It can help to avoid some losses. But it's only really part of the solution. What they really wanted and what they needed was to get back up and running um, as quickly as possible. And, and that, of course, is, is is insurance. And you've already got some backing behind you. Probably helpful just to define what the business is. So can you just talk us through what's your role in the, the kind of insurance chain from customer all the way through to ultimate capacity? We're currently trading as a broker. It's an RSA product. However, we do have limitations both by the product and us trading as a broker. So, for example, you know, we, we, we can onboard digitally. We can, we can process claims digitally. These are the bits that we built. And what we'd really like to be able to do is, is offer our own itemized product at some point. And one of the things we'd like to be able to do is, is secure our own product. Um, we've given lots of thoughts to various aspects of it, such as wording and rating claims, etc. So, you know, any insurers or MGAs out there that think they can help, please do get in touch. So for those not familiar, I think most people in the UK will know RSA, but they are one of the big UK insurers. And so it sounds like if you talk about product, it's insurance products. So you're looking at moving along, potentially moving into an MGA, maybe who knows, even ultimately you might become an insurer in its own right. Well, MJ is certainly the first step. Um, you know, that, that's certainly part of our plan. Having our own capacity, our own product is, is certainly high up on the list. Can you just talk us through and help us visualize how a tradesperson comes across you? So we're talking about both clients and distribution. How, how do they come across armed and then decide that they actually want to buy that insurance? Customers can really only find us through 
I would say two ways. Um, direct through hearing about Armed um, and visiting our website. And the other is via Facebook groups where, you know, the admins of those groups will promote us um, because tradespeople are quite quite active on, on social media. So post fundraising, we've got a number of uh, things planned in terms of widening kind of distribution. And how many people have actually bought it so far? Around 500 or so customers. And, you know, we launched in Q4 last year. So, yeah, from a standing start, we're quite pleased. Not all of them have, have bought insurance. Um, so, you know, that's clearly something that we want to be able to do is is then cross-sell and 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 convert them across. Uh, but but one of the really good things about that is cost of acquisition, you know, because we get multiple orders a day through our through our website. So if we can then, you know, convert and, you know, upsell those that haven't purchased insurance to buy insurance, the cost of acquisition is actually really low, certainly a lot lower than than what I understand it to be generally for insurance. And then on the growth one, that's obviously very important for you to monitor the growth. So do you kind of get up each morning and see how many people have bought armed insurance or how, you know, how are you tracking that sort of day to day, week to week? Yeah, so so we obviously have stats of of what we sell. Um, you know, we we've connected it to our um, Slack channel. So every time an order comes in, we get a pop up, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see that go. Especially today, we've had yeah, we seem to have uh, yeah, had, had quite a few come in. So that's always nice. What's the uh, insurance purchase of choice today? What are people insuring? Drills or do you know? Today's been a busy day, and we've had Richard Fribbins, who's uh, placed an order for one of our. Um, our, our tool insurance and battery bundles. We've sold uh, an arbor for whole saws. Who is that lovely customer? Jonas Morosis. Very happy with some of these customers today. Great. Well, so instead of getting alerts for tweets or TikTok or whatever else people get alerts for, it's kind of a bit more exciting to get an alert for a customer coming through and more money in the business. What happens when the tool is stolen and somebody has to make a claim? Once a trade suffers a loss, uh, they submit the claim through our website or they can do it through the app. Um, and that includes entering crime reference number, um, any pictures of the event, and hopefully they'll have the inventory in the app. So they just need to select what they're claiming for. And then it's yeah, just a case of pressing submit, um, which then gets sent straight over to RSA. Um, and, and the idea really being that this contains all the information um, that they would typically have to go back and forth over the phone or email to get saving about timing money. And, and, and ultimately, our goal is to gather all the required information so that whenever a claim's made, we can, you know, use that together with our IoT, um, device to, to approve these claims very quickly. That's what we're trying to do. And when we were first scoping the, the insurance product, we wanted to be able to settle claims instantly. That was our objective. So, you know, our thinking was, well, if we're providing all the information that a claim handler would expect to see um, anyway, then what's the reason to kind of delay it? Yeah, I think that was perhaps slightly naive. But, uh, yeah, we still think it's possible, but um, might just take a bit more bit more time than we initially thought. Well, it's a good aspiration. And then obviously that's a critical part of having your capacity provider or some third party administrator in the loop where they can authorize that. So at the moment you've mentioned that's been done by RSA. So you're kind of beholden to the speed at which they can review it and also presumably not expecting them to quibble it if you have built a process whereby you validated the claim. Is that, that those are the kind of critical moving parts you need to get right? 
Precisely. Yes. Yeah, we'd need some form of delegation. And we actually think that the customers that we're onboarding are actually better risk customers because of the fact that they're willing to take some security. They are willing to enter the details of their tools within our system, um, which includes things like proof of purchase. We can just see from the questions that they ask on Facebook. We've been quite surprised, really, by by the by the level of research and, and the type of trade customer we're getting on board. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that that will reflect in terms of some of the you know loss ratios, et cetera, for, for the capacity provider. Hi, I'm Simran. I'm part of the marketing team at Instec. Our next live evening event is Collaborate to Compete, the Benefits of Ecosystems and Partnerships. It is sponsored by Verisk and will take place at Codenode in London on the 2nd of March at 5.30pm. We have speakers from Verisk, Beasley, Arch, Swiss Re and more. You can register online at www.instec.london. I hope to see you there. You mentioned in passing there your IoT device. So you've got a, I know you've got a device that you can also use, and you mentioned it, you know, one of the reasons you got into this, to help with the security on the van. How, how does that work and how does that link into the overall insurance proposition? It's essentially a, a smart alarm, acts as a deterrent. So in the event that there is a break in, it, it phones the, the owner instantly, um, works independently. So it's battery powered. There's no connection to the vehicle. It's connected, obviously, through the mobile networks for a roaming sim. But, um, yeah, it consists of a, a motion sensor. We've also developed a way in which you can add tags to the individual items within the vehicle. So you would know at any given time whether those items are are within the vicinity, you know, captures some really interesting data, GPS, for example, um, not just where the van is, but where it generally travels, the areas in which it travels, um, how often the, the van is armed, how often it's disarmed, how often it moves, etc. So I, I think all of this creates, you know, allows us to build up a, a really interesting, really interesting picture. And I guess that one of our bigger aspirations is um, to use some of this data to better assess risk and pricing because this is the type of data that typically an insurer or an underwriter just has no visibility of and no access to and and if we can if we can leverage some of that potentially to do some of it in real time we think that would be really valuable and you know it, even if it is at the start just to be as simple as well you're parked in a particular location so you know, that might mean a real-time increase in excess if it's a high risk, um, but, you know, notifying the customer and give them a chance to be aware of that movie. And overall, it means that we're kind of better protecting the customer and keeping premiums low. So, yeah, I, I think there's something really interesting, you know, in that kind of IoT-based underwriting area, but that's something we're looking at in future. So how does the pricing work just now? How do you price out Richard's drill when he comes to get some insurance from you? So at the moment, um, we we use RSA's rating table. One of the things we really like about the product actually is that the, the rates are really good. So so typically trades will have average of about three thousand pounds worth. So so that costs ninety pounds a year to cover that. We don't have any of these exclusions like having to empty your van every night. Where we want to get to is is have it itemized and you know much smaller increments because at the moment Richard would need to buy at least. £1,000 worth of coverage, even if he's buying a kind of, you know, £300 impact driver, for example. And then how does that play back into the cost of the alarm or your IoT device? Because if it's £90 a year insurance, you've got to take your car. That doesn't leave much left to pay for a bit of hardware to go in the van. 
one of the things we're trying to do is offer the the hardware for as minimal increment as possible. We're hoping that for you know around circa four pounds a month, you know we would be able to offer that. So so the plan is for us to offer that within the actual cost of the insurance. So so to the consumer, yeah, there's very little difference. Whereas all the benefits you would get from having that smart alarm, which we know is important to the trades. Um, and we think the the offset of potentially it then leading to better risk customers would justify that kind of you know relatively small increase in in uh, monthly fee. And then, what about the team you've you've built this with? So I know you've got a co-founder in there. I mean, how, how did you go about doing that early stage? Convince people to come and join you when I don't know what your ability was to pay people early. But uh, yeah, just what's your how did you do that? And what's your advice to people trying to build a a team for an early stage company? Yeah, so, so there were actually four co-founders, and one of the advantages, I guess, is we didn't have to pay anyone uh, to start with, as they were all co-founders. So, um, yeah, t- t- two two of the others, uh, Duncan and Steve, um, you know, worked with me in my my previous business, um, you know, all kind of technology, commercially focused. Um, and I met the fourth, Bernard, actually in, in WeWork. He's got some insurtech experience, and yeah, great product guy. So that's the four that kind of created it. We've got a wider team of more, I would say, you know, seasoned insurance experts and advisors who we can lean on. Um, yeah, guys like David Hill, Tim Quell from One Advent. Um, we've got Manjit Rana, ex-head of innovation at AXA. Gary Simmons, ex-head of claims at Kavea. So, so yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we've got, we've got that, that's the team. And we've got, I would say, a wider team of friends of the business that, just like what we do and, you know, keen to help and see us succeed. Yeah, nice to have some people with insurance background in there as well as bringing together like, you know, your former colleagues who've got those different skill sets. It's, you know, I think those hybrid models tend to work really well in, in a founding team. And then I mentioned before about raising funds on Cedars, but for those that don't know how Cedars work, it might be useful just to talk a little bit about how that crowdfunding platform works and then, yeah, you know, both your personal experience and advice to anybody else who's looking at going through a crowdfunding platform would be would be great to hear. Yeah, so uh, I've raised money before in my previous business, um, not not via crowdfunding sites. Um, so it was a new experience for me and and the guys, in fact. But um, you know, I think like all fundraising options, there are pros and cons. And we actually we actually did a, a pros and cons analysis when we first considered it, and. And and we found that most of what we thought were cons at the time were things that we probably end up having to do anyway. For example, um, you need to create lots of content for the various pitch pages. Um, but that was a really useful process because, you know, whatever you do, you need to be able to kind of clearly explain it in under X characters. And um, so so that forced us to do that. Um, I like the fact that we had to create a video. Um you know, that was a useful piece of marketing that we kind of still use now. And we just wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the campaign. The one people often talk about is the is the Q&A and having to manage all of these various different investor concerns. And you've got to stay on top of that. But we've now got a really comprehensive bank of questions and answers. And probably f- finally, just to mention on that, a key bit or key kind of element to it is, is time scale. We didn't have that much time because we wanted to launch our MVP before we started the fundraise as we thought that would make for a much stronger pitch and, you know, proves we can build something. So we only really had a month before the campaign, um, got up and running and, and we, and we managed to do the whole thing in, in three months. Um, and we, in fact, we actually closed a bit early because we were, we were running into Christmas. So, so I'd say that's a really, really big, big benefit to crowdfunding. You know, if you've got some 
you know, you've got some fixed timescales because as I say, raising money previously, it can, it can drag on. But, you know, if you're running a campaign, there's a, there's a fixed amount of time for it to close. So overall good experience, I'd say. Good. Well, you have got a very nice video in there and, and certainly maybe for your third career choice might be to be in front of camera because you come across very naturally on that. So, um, anybody that wants to look at that, I guess is that on the armed website if they want to go and see the video. Yeah, it's on there. I think there's a lot to be said for, um, video editing. Uh, let's just put it that way because it, it didn't, it didn't feel like that when it was recording, but, uh, yeah, no, thanks. And then Cedars generally, I mean, one of the, the attractive things about what they do, which not all crowdfunding platforms do, is they've got a secondary market. So I'm not quite sure when or if you've come up yet for secondary market. And I, I guess I've got to put all these disclosures here about, you know, we're not here to give advice and things. But it is quite helpful, I think, for some of the companies that have gone on Cedars earlier. And Revolut was one of their early success stories that you actually can't get onto in the secondary market. But it, it, from a, your point of view about the valuation or people – investing in cedars it's quite a nice way to see how that's tracking over time or you know, people can kind of still invest in you if people are looking to sell so i think they've done quite a clever aspect of that of opening that up i think it was once a month to go in there and do some secondary trading on the uh, on the investment that was one of the reasons why we we chose cedars i mean obviously you've got cedars you've got crowdcube we thought the secondary market was quite interesting so yeah it, it felt like the right platform for us and then you've been a great supporter of ours in a very early stage, but you've joined us as a member. What was it about Instate London that you brought you to us and you know, with limited funds, you chose to put some of those into becoming a member? So, as I said, you know, I'm new to the industry and, you know, needed a way to get involved. Um, and, and right back where, you know, we first started thinking about the idea and insurance was part of our proposition. I was just kind of reaching out to people that I knew and I had a family member who was an actuary and, you know, suggested I speak to someone, you know, and, and that's where Instec was, was first kind of suggested to me. And I, I say for me, it was it was the physical events, you know, that, that I'd attend. Um, I'd all, always come away with, you know, having met someone useful, um, found all the members to be really open, really helpful. Um, and, and I think also as, as an organization, you know, you've been really supportive. You know, I, I met you and Robin, you gave me some time when we didn't really have you know anything and really genuinely appreciate that so so yeah i always said to myself you know as soon as we're in a position to to give back we would and yeah as we've joined so yeah ha happy to be part of it and uh yeah just looking forward to when we can get back at the steel yard again so i'm not sure when when that is but it'd be great to be back in in person again yeah well march we've got two in march actually so we're not doing anything in february just because we thought with all the covid nonsense people would still be a bit reluctant to get back but we're kind of coming back out again and based on you, know, you actually had you on stage last year so thanks for doing that as well but we're back up to 200 people again i think at steel yard or code node is another one of our venues so no, thank you very much for your support very much appreciated it and you know, people who in your position four or five years ago joined us and now you know, double digit maybe even treble digit millions of funding coming in as they go through future Cedran, so uh, causation or correlation, I'm not quite sure which it is, but we've got quite a good track record of people that have supported us going on to greater things. So uh, hopefully that will be part of what you can do as well. And and then um, we've covered quite a lot in here. Is there anything we haven't covered or any questions I haven't asked you that you would like to talk about? I'd say, yeah, top of the list for us is, is itemized insurance capacity. Um, we've got a workaround for our MVP, 
but that's not going to give us the itemized product we need to offer true embedded insurance with tools at checkout. So if anyone out there has appetites to support what we're doing and for then us to grow into other areas together, be very, very keen to talk. So, Devin, that's been been great. So anybody listening who's got access to capacity or an insurance organization, definitely contact Devin. I'll let you get back to uh, looking at all the more insurance coming in and hope to see you face to face soon in March or if not, then before. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Matthew. Really appreciate it. Okay, that's it from us this week. As you heard, we are back with live events from March. Got two for you this time here in London and details on the website www.instec.london. And of course, everything else we're up to there as well. And if you want to find out how we can help you understand what's going on in the world, whether you are an insurer or technology company from anywhere in the world, do get in touch. Hello at instec.london or you can contact me, Matthew Grant, via LinkedIn. <music>